welcome to Sports Chat Radio. Hello and welcome to Sports Chat Radio for this Monday, the 11th of October. This is going to be a huge episode, guys, as we go into our fourth episode of Sports Chat Radio, the radio station that gives you everything sports and so much more. This is going to be huge. Um, this is going to be a episode that goes through the AFL trade period. We're going to give a rundown on the AFL trade period with a segment called the AFL Trade Rundown. Going along with that, we're going to have an in-depth look at the current state of the NFL at the moment in our in-depth NFL chat. Um, that's going to have a look at this weekend of games as well as previewing the Monday night football game coming up. And we'll also look at the best teams going in to the middle part of the season as the early part of the season is well and truly ahead and going well. Then we're going to do a pretty major segment on our first cricketing segment of the radio period this year and this is going to be our 2021 Ashes preview as we have just got breaking news that the English squad has been announced for the Ashes series with plenty of key outs, but obviously England will look to put their best foot forward. We're going to review the Ashes with our 2021 Ashes preview. This is this is the radio. This is what we love. This is sport. We're going to have some fun here, guys, and this is going to be our Sports Chat Radio for this Monday, the 11th. Welcome to Sports Chat Radio. series of events going along the AFL with some key, key moments coming up. In the, in the trade period, there's there's a lot happening. Um, it's been a very vibrant trade period, probably not as um, as eventful as we probably would have hoped going in, but there's, there's three days to go, and there's going to be plenty happening in these three days. Uh, breaking today, we've got the trade of Pat Lipinski, Patrick Lipinski from the Western Bulldogs. He's going to join Collingwood with the Pies, handing over pick 43 in the upcoming national draft um, as compensation there. Very, very good win for the Pies. Um, definitely won this trade. The Bulldogs didn't want to get rid of Lipinski. Um, he's a talented midfielder that can go forward. Um, he's had a lot of success at the second-tier VFL level, and he's going to look to really rebound his career and get more opportunity at the Pies. The Pies were able to strike up a deal that meant that they have enough draft capital to still um, get... Nick Dacos in the in the upcoming draft, but also um, bring in the likes of Pat Lipinski and also Nathan Kruger, the forward and also sometimes backman, uh, the tall Geelong product um, coming over as well, the 22-year-old. So two really good pickups. Um, Lipinski was was tabled a three-year deal to the Dogs to keep him, um, but obviously opportunity to the Dogs, especially in that, that, that tight midfield. They've got a lot of talent there, and Lipinski just was pushed out, and I don't think he would have got the opportunities he would have liked. You know, I'm talking that 10-plus games each season. I don't think he would have got that at the Dogs. And now I think he will have to really make sure that he can cement his spot in this Pies best 22 and, and make the most of it. He's a talented player, uh, good foot skills, good runner. Um, he's a nice size at, like, 182 um, centimetre size. He can really make a difference, I think, and... Um, He's going to be a key, key man in this this new era for the Collingwood Football Club. And I think Coach Craig McRae has really brought in a player who's got youth on his side, but also has the ability to show um, the Pies faithful that he that he can win the ball. He can be a, a really strong contributor to this new 
age for the Pies, this young core of players um, led by the likes of Darcy Moore and Braden Maynard. It will look to be a really quick rebuild um, as well as the trades that they're going to bring in and the likely number one pick, Nick Dacos, in the draft. They've also brought on um, earlier this year, they brought on um, quite recently Brennan Bowen as a midfield coach and also Justin Lepich playing as a behind-the-scenes, all-purpose coach. If you look at the back line, he's, he's an expert backline coach. So two guys that have been previously head coaches, Lepich at the Lions and, as we know, Brendan Bolton at the Carlton Blues. So I think those guys, to bring it in um, around a new first-time coach in Craig McRae is going to be awesome for the Pies. I'm going to give them a lot of guidance. Um, they do have a number of players that are nearing the completion of their careers and I think a really strong coaching core of, of seasoned, um, experienced campaigners I think is going to really make a difference. Um, all three guys have got really good analytical minds and they'll look to make a difference and I think with the likes of Penderbury side bottom and those players um, have already had Chris Main leave, I think those guys leaving um, means that there'll be a little bit of a gap in experience and we, we know that players really react well to a coaching core that really guide them in the right direction. And I think the Pies have put that together after a very um, tumultuous trade period last season and obviously the ongoing board battle and problems at board level that has trickled down to the playing and coaching group. So this stability, um, this really impressive trade period so far with Lipinski and, and Kruger brought in as well as the likely acquisition of Nick Dacos in the draft, I think the Pies are going to go into the season with a, with a with a lot of confidence. And I think, for me, I think it's going to be a very, very quick rebuild. I think they'll make the eight next year. I think they'll really um, sneak in. I think Nick, Day Nick Dacos looks like a ready-made AFL footballer. I think Lipinski's a ready-made player. He's shown at um, the VFL level that he can play football. Um, he can play in that really pivotal mid-forward role. I think he'll get plenty of game time. I think he'll be someone that can really make a difference. Um, he might have to um, take the spot of Scott Penabry. He might play a little bit half-back. Even Jordan Ngoi, he might play a little bit more forward. But my prediction is, Palapinski, I think he'll be the pick of the year. I think he'll be the recruit of the year in 2022. Um, you heard it first year on the radio. This is going to be a huge pickup for the Pies, and I think he's going to be a guy that can average 25 touches a game. I think he can play every game next year, next season. And I think he's going to be a star, along with the absolute young gun, um, the famous name, Nick Dacos, who's going to come in and play a role. Supremely talented, absolutely tore up the NAB League, the under-18 competition this year. And he's someone that will really slot in nicely, along with his his, his brother Josh, who is an emerging, emerging player, um, played a lot on the wing, always likes a goal. Um, and he's going to be a guy that can really push this year after a really injury-riddled uh, 2021 campaign. So a lot happening in the trade world and plenty to talk about when it comes to the Pies. They're, they're, the, they're the talk of the town at the moment a little bit and it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Putting the Pies' trade success to one side, we're going to have a look at the broader outlook of this trade period. Um, plenty happening. We obviously saw the... Really um, interesting trade between Richmond and the North Melbourne Football Club with Robbie Tarrant and a third round pick, currently pick 40, as well as a future second round pick going to North Melbourne 
Um, with North Melbourne receiving Callum Coleman-Jones, the young forward backup ruckman, um, who's got plenty of talent, uh, two third-round picks and a fourth-rounder going to the Tigers. So pretty much um, the draft hand kind of cancel each other out, and it looks like Robbie Tarrant and Callum Coleman-Jones will be a straight swap. Um, Robbie Tarrant's going to slot straight into this midfield. I think it's a great pickup by Richmond. Um, they've obviously got David Asprey, who is, has retired, as well as... Basha Hawley. So there's two key defensive posts that have uh, gone out of the, the Tigers' outfit. So I think Robbie Tarrant comes in. He's obviously had a lot of um, medical issues. Um, he's had some problems with injury, but he's still relatively young. I mean, he's someone that is proven at this level, Australian caliber player. Um, he's a guy that really good one on one, can intercept the ball. He's very strong. You know, the Tarrant name is synonymous with strong bodies guys that can really be physical in the one-on-one marking contests, um, but Robbie's a guy who is just a supreme athlete, and I think his his wealth of experience will add greatly to the experience lost with the with the likes of Asprey and Hawley, so great trade by the Tigers, we've got Sam Petrescu-Seaton, he's going to West Coast with a three-way trade happening between the Cullen Football Club, the Dogs, and the West Coast Eagles, um, the Western Bulldogs, they sent a third-round pick to um, to West Coast for compensation with Sam Petrescu, Seaton and Lewis Young from the Western Bulldogs. He went to Carlton. Um, so Lewis Young to Carlton, uh, Sam Petrescu, Seaton to Western Bull- uh, to West Coast and Western Bulldogs receiving a uh, pick 52 currently. So interesting there. Um, not sure that's what's going to happen there. Um, guys with some potential, but Right now, they haven't shown that. Um, going to be interesting how that goes. Tim O'Brien um, was picked up by the Dogs as another restricted free agent. Um, 29-year-old, he's someone that got a bit of talent. I think it's an, an okay pick up by the Dogs, although they do have plenty of big men. So it's going to be interesting how he fits in. Biggest trade of the trade period so far, um, arguably, has been the acquisition by the Carlton Football Club of Adam Chera. Uh, Chera coming from Fremantle with Fremantle receiving pick six and a future third rounder as compa- compensation for the young midfield gun. Very good pickup by Carlton. It'll allow um, Patrick Cripps to be freed up a little bit through that midfield, and he'll be able to go forward and make an impact. It'll also help out um, Brownlow candidate this year, Sam Walsh, in that midfield. Um, Cher is a guy who complements him quite well. Similar players, hard runners, good, well, well-skilled players, um, really that that modern midfielder, um, they're, they're guys that aren't that 190-type midfielder, but they're the, they're the hard-running, um, great user, great decision-making style forward, can go forward um, and, and really have that level of poise that is a, a lot beyond their years because they are relatively unex, uh, unexperienced, but they have that really high draft value coming into the league and they're very talented players. So Chero, great pick-up. Pick six, I think it's not too bad for Fremantle. Um, I think they can get someone decent, um, maybe the likes of someone like Finn Callahan coming up in the draft. Um, the Dandenong, uh, sorry, Sandringham Dragons midfielder. He's, he's going to look to be picked up around that four, five, six, um, six pick in the in the first round. So it'll be it'll be good for Fremantle to, to pick up a young star, but obviously a huge loss. And Carlton will benefit hugely. Um, obviously the pressure's now on Carlton to turn Chera into the A grader that everyone thinks that he will be, um, obviously being a bit homesick from Victoria and being drafted to Fremantle. So it was an obvious um, obvious trade back to his home state. So interesting there. 
as well as that, uh, Will Brody, um, the, the Gold Coast midfielder, um, top 10 draft pick, has been bitterly disappointing at the Gold Coast, really hasn't been able to turn his um, 18-year-old form as a junior into uh, AFL, AFL form, AFL talent. He's a guy who has plenty of talent but just hasn't shown it. Um, is it a problem with work rate with Brody? He's a taller midfielder. Um, he's someone that can look a little bit slow, can look a little bit tired, um, makes those obvious skill errors, hasn't played enough games to really to really show Stuart Jew and the Gold Coast recruiting staff that he's, he deserves another contract, really. I mean, it's a smart decision by um, Gold Coast to offload him, I think. I just think he's, the, the tether has been, you know, he's been out there for a while and he really hasn't been able to show um, the Gold Coast head honchos that he can play as that number one midfielder and really make that spot his own. And I think he will go to Fremantle with a chip on his shoulder to really turn it around. Um, Gold Coast, they received a future second rounder and a future fourth rounder for Brody. So, okay conversation. He's a middle-of-the-road type player. Um, I, I don't expect him to play too many games this year. Um, you know, may, maybe you know eight, eight or nine games this year um, if he's lucky. But I think he's got a lot of work to do. I think he's a developing player. Um, I wouldn't, wouldn't put it past him if Fremantle will rookie list him at some point. Um, and just try and find that, that talent that he obviously has but just hasn't been able to put together. And it's going to be interesting if he can turn his career around. Obviously, one to watch there. Um, and just our last key trade at, at our um, AFL trade rundown will be the trade between Port Adelaide and the Greater Western Sydney Giants. We saw Jeremy Finlayson, the really, um, really promising forward um, someone that's a proven goal kicker, can kick him from anywhere. He's that nice height. He's that third tall option up forward. He's going to Port Adelaide with the GWS receiving a future third-round selection. This is an absolute steal for Port Adelaide. I think Finlayson is an underrated player. I think he's a guy that's supremely talented. I think his ability to find the goals is pretty much unmatched at the Giants, especially. Um, and I think he's someone that he can, he can bob up for four you know, three, four goals a game. Um, and I think Port Adelaide would use him well. The only thing with Port, I think they have plenty of players around the mark. You know, you got Jeremy Finlay's and he plays a lot like Todd Marshall at Port Adelaide. So I'm not sure what's going to go there. Will Todd Marshall push in the midfield? Will Todd Marshall, you know, play a different role? You've obviously got um, Dixon down there. It looks like Pete Laddams. Uh, Pete Laddams, he's going to leave Port. So there's a little bit of an opening there um, as that forward ruck role. But... Um, Going to be interesting how that goes, um, but again, you know, receiving a player of the caliber of Jeremy, Jeremy Finlayson for a future third rounder, I mean, it's a bit ridiculous by Greater Western Sydney getting that compensation for a guy. I think he's a proven player, and I think Port will be able to find some real capital in in this trade. And I think that Jeremy Finlayson, you know, in his home state, will be able to really have an impact and really improve his career. And I, I think he's an all Australian caliber player. And I wouldn't be surprised if he pushes into calculations for a All-Australian squad selection this season at Port Adelaide. I think he's a guy that can kick 35-plus goals. I think he his talent is uncapped. Um, obviously, his age, he's getting on a little bit. You know, that 28-29 sort of bracket, um, you know, reaching, reaching 30. But 
you know, he's he definitely has you know three, four good years in him. Um, really, uh, really lively player, and I think Port Adelaide have won that trade really, really strongly, and they will be very happy with this trade. And I think going forward, um, Port will look to make another challenge after a disappointing final series in 2021. So, plenty going on. Um, that was the AFL trade rundown for this week. Um, very interesting. We'll have a look in the next three days um, with. The next episode of the Sports Chat Radio will look at the completion of the trade period and all the wheels and deals that were going on uh, during the period. It's obviously a, a exciting time of year with fans looking at new players coming to their club and um, I'll give you a first-hand account of what I think about all the trades and we'll have a look at which teams really won the trade period and which teams suffered from a disastrous or poor trade period. So a lot going on, and that was the AFL trade rundown. Now we're going to have a look at our really important part of this this radio segment, and this is going to be the in-depth NFL chat. We're going to have a look a little bit wider this week. We always have our highlight game of the week, um, but this this episode, we're going to have a little bit more of an in-depth chat going into week five of the uh, of the NFL season. Um, I think this will be really, really interesting. There's plenty going on. Um, we'll just run through a few of the key games, a few of the key stories to come out. We've got the Rams um, beating the Seahawks 26-17, really pivotal. Um as Matt Stafford builds a MVP caliber season. Another crucial game, really tight one. Um, New England Patriots coming off um, Tom Brady's homecoming loss against the Buccaneers. The Patriots narrow winners against the Houston Texans, 25-22. to uh, Very interesting there. Mac Jones showing that he does have that ability to win the games late and in those really key moments down the stretch. And Mac Jones, Jones really showed why. Bill, Bill Belichick has put all his eggs in one basket and gone for this this rookie who, who's been shown to have some really steely resolve and someone that really can be a ready-made NFL footballer and NFL uh, quarterback. So really interesting there. Um, we'll go through and have a look at the Saints-Washington game. Really interesting here. I, I had Washington, um, the Washington football team, picked to win this game. I just think their defense is really good, as well as the connection with um, Taylor Heineke and Terry McLaurin. Um, they really have a nice connection. McLaurin is outstanding and one of the best wide receivers in the league. But the Saints got over by 10 points, 33-22, with Jamius Winston really showing why he is one of the comeback players of the year, as he shows that he can take Drew Brees' role as his number one quarterback and make it his own. We know he's a guns gunslinger and someone that can, you know, find those those deep balls um, and make those really long throws. But we know he's susceptible to interceptions. But this season, he's really showing that his value is high and someone that Saints fans can really rely on. And I think, you know, we saw he had the interception in this game, but you know, two eighty yards, four TDs thrown, as well as really finding. Um, some of his key receivers in 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 Callaway and Deontay Harris, um, and obviously we know in the backfield you've got Alvin Kamara, who's one of the best wide receivers in the league. You know, 16 carries, 71 yards, 
a pretty pretty stock standard performance by Camara. I I predict he will he'll start really getting some form. He's been a little bit under a bit of injury cloud going into this season and in the off season, but I think Alvin Kamara's talent will shine through, and I think he's he's in store for a, a big you know 150 yard performance coming up. Uh, very interesting, and we'll now let's look at our last um, in depth NFL. Game of the round, um, we look at the LA Chargers beating the Cleveland Browns 47-42 in a tight one. Um, Justin Herbert, absolutely outstanding, 398 yards, a tick under. A tick under 400, um, and I think his ability to really win that, um, win that, Really clutch games, and I think you know 400 yards for a guy who's so young is just outstanding. 400, uh, sorry, four TDs thrown um, from his 400 yards, really, really good performance. But you've got to look at the performance of Mike Williams. You know he's a really talented receiver. 165 yards from eight receptions. 20-yard average per catch. You know this guy went off. Keenan Allen, we know how good he is. Um, Pro Bowl caliber player, um, 75 yards from six receptions. So huge performance. Um, On the flip side, Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield, one of the most controversial and polarizing figures in the NFL. uh, Definitely someone at the quarterback position that everyone is talking about. Um, 305 yards, two TDs, you know, and probably a below-par performance from his standards. Didn't throw an interception, but really... Didn't have a going, but in saying that, I think the Browns kept the ball on the ground as much as possible with the um, with their really really talented backfield in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Um, Nick Chubb, 161 yards running, with a 7.7 average rushing distance. He had 21 carries as well. He's someone who can go forward. Um, David Njoku, seven receptions, 150 yards, really really good. But again, it was just Justin Herbert's ability to be clutch in the big moments um, really catapult the Los Angeles Chargers to a 4-1 and one record after the completion of Week 5. So they're in a great position to make a deep playoffs run and really show why the Chargers really wanted this kid because Justin Herbert can play as well as a talented receiving core and also a defense that can play. You know, you got, you got led by Joey Bosa. These guys can play. You've got guys like... Um, got guys um, on the other side of the field with Denzel Ward for the Browns, but you got Joey Bosa really showing why he's one of the best defensive players in the league. Um, Derwin James, the linebacker, um, having nine tackles as well. He's someone that really can play um, play that linebacker position or, or play in the secondary as well. So it's going to be really interesting and um, a really key highlight game in its in-depth uh, rundown for week five, um, and we're just going to preview our last game of the round. We've got the Ravens versus the Colts, Indianapolis going up against Baltimore. Um, this is our Monday night football game. Interesting game. Um, I think for me, it is a tale of two stories. You've got the Colts one and three, and you've got the Baltimore Ravens three and one. So, um, really different style of players um, they're going to be a you know it's going to be uh, they're contrasting styles um, it's going to be Carson Wentz trying to throw a really solid game um, he's been 
pretty disastrous this year and been pretty poor. And um, we know how good MVP Lamar Jackson is and has been for a number of seasons. And he's someone that's going to be really, really a handful for this Colts defense. He's going to use his legs. We know how good he is on the scramble. Um, he's going to look to get that 50-plus yards rushing himself, but also show-wise, one of the most underrated throwers in the league, and he gets a lot of flack for his ability to make the tight throw. Does he have a weak arm? I don't think he does. I think he's just someone who is so electric when he goes over that line of scrimmage and really goes in that open field and uses his footwork, uses his really nice... Uh, speed and evasiveness to get those yards and just eat up the defense. Baltimore will win this game, um, will win it comfortably. And Lamar Jackson, he's got he's got targets. He's got the likes of Marquise Hollywood Brown to find deep. I think Lamar Jackson's going to go up. I predict he's going to have a hundred rushing yards on the ground. I think he's going to go off. I'm going to at least two rushing touchdowns himself. This guy is unhinged. And I don't think the Colts have the team to really challenge his athletic ability and his ability to get the job done. So Ravens, my pick, but again, an interesting week of NFL action going into um, the completion of week five and going into week six as we really go through this, this early part of the season, the early nerves of have started to come off, and teams are playing some good football. We've got some close games. The scoring level has gone up with the, with the Chargers-Browns game, really high scoring, and that's what the NFL fans want to see. And we want to see um, we want to see a bit of loose defense. We want to see teams make those really long, quick drives, um, you know, a couple of passes, a couple of rushing plays, and then straight into the end zone. That's what we want to see, and we've been seeing that in the early part of the season. Um, again, at the moment, my team and my premiership or Super Bowl chance, I think is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They were really, really clinical in their really strong performance in week five as they down the Dolphins 45 to 17. So uh, Buccaneers are my pick for the Super Bowl this year. But I also think that the LA Rams are right nipping at their heels. Uh, Matthew Stafford is a guy who is due for a really deep playoff run um, after really showing that he can play. And the it wasn't him that was causing the issues at Detroit. Um, it was the organization. So if he can really get some, get some um, ongoing form going, I think he's going to be a real real interesting proposition come the business end of proceedings and it will be a team that can really challenge the Bucks. Now we're going to change course with our first cricket segment on the radio. We're going to have a look at our 2021 Ashes preview off the back of the England squad being announced. We're just going to go through the squad here as well and just pick out some key players. Um, obviously, Captain Joe Root um, is in there. We've got Rory Burns, who will likely open the batting. Um, Johnny Bairstow, really one of the best um, middle-order players in the test arena. Um, he'll be a pivotal player. You've got, you got the bowlers, Chris Wokes, Craig Overton, James Anderson, Stuart Broad, Mark Wood, and the spinner, Jack Leach. So Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad are there. Um, they are guys that have had success 
in England and in a number of other countries, but probably hasn't had the success in Australia that they would have liked. Um, they're guys that really have been absolutely outstanding over their careers, 500-plus um, wickets in the Test Arena for both of them. Um, they're going to be guys that will look to go after the top-order players of the um, of the Aussies. Uh, they know that Stuart Broad really has a bit of a bunny in the Australian team in David Warner. Um, in England, he really caused some real troubles, um, hit him on the pads, really hitting the stumps a lot. Stuart Broad, he'll look to have the same success um, going across to Australia for this Ashes series. Um, really huge for the community and the um, Australian public who have had a really difficult time in this lockdown coronavirus landscape. So it's going to be a, a welcomed event for the nation and it's going to be interesting. This team, I think, has got a few holes in it. Um, obviously, you've got uh, Ben Stokes, who's the danger man um, and, the, in my opinion, the best English player um, across all three formats. He's not there after his extended break off um, off, the, off the pads and away from cricket. So he's not there. He's um, definitely going to be someone who really does make a difference um, when it comes to late in test matches when you need a big performance with the battle of the ball, Ben Stokes, your man. So him not being there is a big hole for me. One man doesn't make a team, but when you're playing test cricket, you need that guy who's got a bit of edge to him. Ben Stokes is that. Um, I think they might be a bit lean um, playing Josh Butler at, at keeper. Um, Johnny Bresco can take the gloves, but Josh Butler's the guy that'll probably be the number one keeper. Um, he's a guy who hasn't had too much success at test level. He's more of a one-day player. I think there's a hole there. Um, Rory Burns at the top, probably opening with the likes of maybe someone like Darwin Milan, uh, Bairstow up the order. Um, I think there's some... Um, Real cracks there. Roy Burns is a good player, but um, it'll really be on the back of the, the for me the three most experienced um, will be Joe Root, um, James Anderson, Stuart Broad. I think they're the guys that need to drive this English outfit. They really need, especially those two opening bowlers. They're going to, have to really try and get as much bounce. Um, the first test, I think the first test will be at the Gabba, so there's going to be a little bit of bounce in the pitch. Might be a bit of spin there for Leach. But it's Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad. They're going to try and swing the ball. They're going to try and make the ball reverse late in the test match around that day three, day four range. That's where guys like Jimmy Anderson can really get that ball reversing with the old with the old Kookaburra and really make things happen. Those guys are pivotal. And it's going to be Joe Root with the bat. Batting four, he's going to be someone that's just going to have to be like an, like an absolute wall and just keep out everything. And just use, and use his natural ability as one of the best test batsmen in the world to, to drive this team. And he, it's a lot's going to be on his back because he doesn't have, you know, that unhinged um, guy like Ben Stokes who has no ceiling on how good he is that you can just throw the ball to or put him up the order, put him in a different spot, and he'll perform. He doesn't have that this year. He doesn't have his trigger. Just a guy, you, you press the button and he delivers. He doesn't have that. So Root's got to be the man that delivers. He's going to have to drive his team. And he's going to be. it's going to be interesting, the, the matchup between Joe Root and Steve Smith, two of the best batters in the world. Steve Smith, you know, almost averages 60 in test cricket, which is astonishing. Um, Joe Root, uh, just over 50. So they're really going to be interesting there. A massive battle between the former captain and the current captain of England, Joe Root. 
really interesting. Um, I think Steve Smith, obviously not going to be the captain this time around, but he played a pivotal leadership role in this in this Australian lineup. I've gone through um, with this Ashes preview and predicted my Ashes team and best eleven um, for the opening test. I've also um, had a couple of outside picks that I'll share with the listeners as well. Just a few players that I think are close to selection or may be selected in um, the in some test matches across the series. So I'll just go through my Ashes eleven for Australia. I think it'll be David Warner, the devastating opening bat. We know his, we know his record. One of the best batters in the world, probably the best opener in the world, if you ask me. Um, you know, fiery, aggressive. I think he'll be partnered with Will Pukowski. Um, Will's a really, really talented player. Been dominating at Shield level. Um, I think he showed enough in his uh, Test debut to really um, earn a spot. He's also similar to Warner in the way he likes bat on ball but has a, has a level head and has shown at shield level and at uh, domestic level that he can go on and make those big scores. You know, convert those hundreds into 250s, really go on and make a difference, convert those 50s into 100s. So going to be really interesting. Um, he's a shoo-in for, for 50-plus a game. I think he is a guy who can be a breakout player for, for the Aussies, and I think he can really shoot up the ICC uh, test batting rankings if he has a strong series. And then you've got, um, for me, the two best batters in this lineup. Um, you've got Minus Labashane at three and Steve Smith at four. This is, this is you know, this is almost a cheat code for me. These guys are absolutely outstanding players. Their timing's impeccable. They, they're absolutely cricket nuffies, and they will really have a, have a big, big role in this team. And it, you know, good luck getting them out because they 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 don't give up much. You know, Lubbershane's really good, uh, good good through the covers and down the ground. Uh, but he's also really a good player against against spin. Um, Steve Smith, we know how good he is against everyone. Um, good player of spin. Um, I don't know how you're going to get Steve Smith out of this series. This guy's eye is the best we've seen for me since Bradman. Um, I think. Steve Smith is he he's gonna have a huge series and he'll be the player of the series for me. Steve Smith, we know how good he is. You know, you're not gonna write off, you know, one of the best players of all time um, in the Test and ODI arena. So this is gonna be huge. Um, this middle order is really solid. Um, a few question marks going down the team. Travis Head for me, I think he's gonna bat five along with um, all rounder option Cam Green, um, the young star out of Western Australia. Um, then with the gloves, Captain Tim Payne. Um, really interesting middle order there. Um, Travis Head, will he play, will he not? He's had a good start with 100 in the first round of the Shield. Um, if he can go on, I think he can cement his spot as a number five. He's done it a number of times. He knows how to play there. Um, Cam Green, his talent is unbelievable after a really strong debut. He'll slot in well. I, I see him as a guy going forward that can, you know, he can bat that number three and be an all-rounder, you know. Be that, be that guy, that even that Andrew Simons-like type player, that all-rounder that can play up the order. Um, Tim Payne with the gloves, you know, pretty solid player. I think this may be his last Ashes series, definitely his last Ashes series, um, and he'll just need to be solid with the gloves as always. Um, you know, make it, make the odd 50, be okay with the bat, but he's just going to be a, a guy who's good with the gloves and really has strong leadership. So that's his role for me. The bowlers, they pretty much picked themselves. A few question marks. Um, the bowlers, we've got Pat Cummins after Tim Payne. We've got 
Uh, Mitchell Stark, Josh Hazelwood, Nathan Lyon, the spinner. So Nathan Lyon, um, Gary Lyon, he's going to play a big role. Um, but the three quicks, um, Cummins, Stark, Hazelwood, um, we know what they can do. Um, Pat Cummins, best um, best bowler in the world. He's going to have another big impact. And it's going to be, it's a trusted um, and tested and trusted uh, bowling cartel. And they'll look to make a difference and really, really punish the kind of undermanned English batting lineup. So it's going to be interesting. These guys are seasoned players, um, all New South Welshmen, and they're going to be guys who look to have a strong Ashes series and really further their outstanding legacy as Test bowlers. Now we're going to have a look at my outside picks, um, my picks of players who I think um, can make a difference to this squad and will push for selection after really strong um, domestic um, second tier form for me um, as we know with a number of venues um, Adelaide Oval being one SCG being another where they may go with two spinners I'm going to go with Lloyd Pope um, he's been really good um, already have it, had a fifer in the first round of the Sheffield Shield Lloyd Pope the leg spinner um, we know what he can do um, he's got that that flowing red hair and he's going to be someone that um, he's really, really pivotal. He's a really, he was a really good under-19 Australian representative. Um, he's taken a lot of wickets. He's young. He's vibrant. He's got that really nice uh, variation uh, with the leg spinner, with that over spinner, um, even even the odd flipper going in there as well. So Lloyd Pope, I think he's going to be a chance. Um, as always, when you talk about Australia and the Test Arena, you got to talk about Short Marsh. Um, I think he's probably a guy that may rival the likes of Travis Head um, and or someone like Cam Green in that middle order. I think Sean Marsh, he, he's just outstanding um, at shield level and sometimes he does, he misses um, in the test arena and he's done that a number of times, but he'll be in the conversation. Um, then the more realistic chance in that middle order for me, Josh Phillippe. Um, he's a keeper, but more noted as a batsman. He's going to be a guy that can rival Travis Head for that number five spot, I believe. Um, he's a really strong player, um, plays for Sydney Sixers in, in in limited overs cricket, but he's really shown he can go on and make big scores in the four-day competition. Um, I think he's going to be a role for Travis Head, and they're going to go toe-to-toe for, for that number five job for me. Um, now with the bowlers, I'm just going to pick two bowlers that I think will rival. For me, there's only one player that will be a selection question mark in the bowling lineup for the Australians, and it's Mitchell Stark. He's a guy whose accuracy and temperament at times just isn't consistent enough. He bowls too many balls in the wrong places. You can get... He doesn't build pressure enough from one end, and it really can make players like Cummins and Hazelwood not able to build pressure. He's a guy... He bowls those really wily, fast balls outside off stump that you just can sit on and just whack through the covers. He bowls wides. Um, he's just not consistent enough for me. He is a, he's a quick bowler, but he needs to get his consistency right. Will they play in first test? I think they will play in first test because he has that fear factor. He's a bit unpredictable, but if his consistency isn't there and his body isn't 100% right, there's two guys that I think can really knock on the door and knock him out of this team, and it's James Pattinson. Been there, done that. He's had five as a test level. Um, he's getting on a bit now, but we know how good he is. We know how good Ryan Harris was in 2014, coming from a 
from a uh, older position when it comes to age and coming in and playing a role. James Pattinson, he's big, he's aggressive, a bit more consistent than Stark for me. That's why I think he may be um, a a selection uh, problem for Stark because I think he's a little bit more consistent. He can bat as well, I think. I think he's an okay bat. He's a borderline all, well, he's a borderline all-rounder for me. And then another guy, he's, he's a quick bowler as well. It's Joel Paris. Um, Joel Paris, uh, Western Australian player, been knocking on the door for a while, um, really good. He's played a couple of ODIs for Australia, and I think he's someone that can really have a strong impact as that 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 enforcer and that's someone you can throw the ball to first change, um, first second change, and really bowl those thunderbolts. Um, bit more bounce. Um, he comes in really strongly, gets through the crease really well. I think he deserves an opportunity at test level, and I think uh, Mitchell Stark should be very worried about these two players as they look to force themselves into this side. Josh Hazelwood, is there a little bit of worry about his spot? For me, no, but if there was a percentage on it, maybe there's about 10%. Maybe there's a 10% question mark on Josh Hazelwood. Nathan Lyon, Pat Cummins, they pick themselves. Um, they'll get picked every week. They are two of Australia's best ever bowlers. Um, so very interesting here. I think Australia have a solid team. Not much has changed since our last um, Ashes win. So I think I think Australia win this win this series and retain the Ashes for me. They've just got more players that are more consistent. Their bowling lineup is so good. And you know when you're playing against someone like Steve Smith and his sidekick in Marnus Labuschagne, you're gonna come on the receiving end of a really big punch in the mouth, really. And I think England are going to get that. They're inexperienced. They don't have a team that I believe have a realistic chance against the Aussies. Will they win a test match? I think they'll win one or two. Will they win a five-match series? No way. Um, I just don't think they've got the team to do it. They've, um, you know, Mo and Ali not there, but retired. You've got a few players out. Um, They don't have... You know, these guys, you know, back in the day, you had guys like, you know, Graham Swan, you know, Jonathan Trott, Andrew Strauss. You had these guys that every time they, they walked out and, um, you know, crossed that boundary line, they were really on. They were consistent and they were seasoned. Yes, they have Jimmy Anderson. Yes, they have Joe Root. But they don't have much other than that. They have, they don't have the cattle this year. And unfortunately, I think Australia really got their number, and I think the Aussies will retain the Ashes. Um, Will Pekoski, for me, is going to be the breakout player and the one to watch, um, and someone that will look to break out and become one of the best players in the world, and I think he's got that potential. I think he's been around the mark for for a number of years. Um, We're also going to look at Cam Green for another big year, the young all-rounder. I'm looking to take a few more wickets. Um, you know, get through the crease a bit more, get a little bit more pace up, bowl that, you know, touch over 140 and look to really, um, really show why he's he's got that all-rounder status because sometimes I think um, people can maybe think he's just a batter, but he's definitely got that bowling potential. So it's going to be really interesting and huge series. Can't wait, really. Um, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be an interesting and fascinating Ashes series and can't wait for December when when this all gets underway and the English squad flies over and faces the might of Australia and um, it's going to be interesting. And this has been your Sports Chat Radio for another Monday. Really, really massive program. We've got um, a massive uh, trade period on the cards and continually 
um, over the last couple of weeks. Trade period's been really interesting. Three more days in the trade period. We will be there to review all the wheels and deals at the end of the trade period. We had a look at our in-depth NFL um, NFL chat, and there's plenty going on in the NFL. We'll keep you up to date on that bad boy. Um, the Sports Chat Radio, you know, we, we give you the sport you want to see, and we give you the informed and uh, the best opinion um, on on the podcast scene at the minute. Sports Chat Radio, um, we also looked at the 2021 Ashes, and we previewed the team off the back of the English squad announcement. We, um, we also looked at Australia's predicted Ashes 11 um, with some outside picks as well. So there's plenty on the cards that hopefully you enjoyed the program. This has been Sports Chat Radio. I've been Jude Henderson. You have a good day.